0: and welcome to the panel on the joys, or lack thereof, editing. And um, I'm going to have the panelists introduce themselves. Go ahead. Alicia,
1: Who's starting? <laughs> oh. oh. Am I starting? Yeah. Could okay.
0: Go ahead and introduce themselves.
1: Um, all right. My name is Nick Martell. I'm the author of the uh, book series called The Legacy of the Mercenary Kings. My first book was called The Kingdom of Liars uh my second book that comes out in march is called the two-faced queen um i probably wrote a main character that everyone hates so it's okay um and that's really it all right
0: who wants to go next alicia do you want
2: to go okay so my name is alicia um reasonably jet-lagged so please excuse me if i don't form coherent sentences um i am the author of the koretic sagas there is two books out yes lot of airs, legacy of ghosts. I have seen the cover for book three today. It is done. The book's not done, the cover's done. The book's <laughs> like ages away. Um, and as far as editing goes, I've edited two novellas and th- five novels professionally for clients, as well as working on my own books. Yeah. So that's my history with editing. Dave, do you want to go ahead?
3: Hi, I'm Dave Ragg. I'm the author of the Articles of Faith series, which is The Black Hawks. And uh, as, as of this week, the title announcement of book two is The Righteous, which is due out on the 10th of June. And we cleared all the bookshelves out of here ages ago. So I haven't got any copies of the books in here. So you'll just have to take my word for it that the covers are excellent.
4: <laughs> all right, Shelley. Hi, my name is Shelley Campbell. I'm a debut author. I had a book, uh, Grimdark Fantasy, come out with Mythos and Ink Publishing a couple of months ago in November. And uh, I think I have it here. It's probably backwards. It looks a little something like this. Uh, It's uh, based kind of in a stone age era uh, with dragons and it's about uh, the main character finds out he's being raised as a sacrifice to win back the goddess and her dragons. that's all I've got out there right now.
0: Sounds lovely. <laughs> um, my name is Beth Tabler, and I'm I own Before We Go blog, and I also am one of the site leads on Grimdark Magazine. So, this should be a really fun talk on editing. Is everybody really excited? <laughs> extremely, <laughs> yeah. extremely excited. So, excited. <laughs> um, so let's start off. With, um, what does the editing process look like for you? For you? How do you approach editing?
3: Fine. Who's going first?
2: <laughs> Nick, why don't I I you do first? Oh, oh you yeah. <laughs> I think that there's a distinct difference between editing and drafting. Like you do, you do edit as a part of drafting, but I think that as someone who does edit for other people, um something that I've found and in my own personal experience is that it's really difficult, if not impossible for an author to edit their own work because what will happen is you become book blind. And so for me, like I'll be progressively editing. So if I, I haven't looked at my work for about a month and a half. So I'm gonna, the first thing I'm gonna do is go back and read chapters. And as I'm working on them, I'm gonna be reading them. I'm gonna be editing them and tidying them up. Um, the beta phase is important. So that first few people that you give your draft to, to read um and then mine will go up to my structural editor who will also do the copy edit and then there'll be a proofreading editor that will come in after that um so i'll do i'll pick up what they've told me to do and then i'll go up to the next editor and then back come although back will come those edits and then my mum and my uncle will get a print copy and their job is to find anything that's been missed um which they do find a lot and then if there's anything that needs to be fixed up post-launch then that's that happens as needed but there is a to me there is a difference between what you're doing when you're drafting and the process that happens once you say all right my draft is as done as i can make it that's when i send it off to someone else okay
0: okay what about dave what about you
3: yes it's it's quite similar though i mean in some ways, I'm I'm sort of at the mercy of, of what my publisher says. So the books that I published uh, up to this point were drafted a long time ago. And at the point where they were then taken up by the publisher, we began the editing process. And that was structural edits with one editor followed after several rounds of that by copy edit with someone else followed by the proofs and and that is you know a fairly standardized process so slightly unusual at the moment with book two we're doing a kind of combined final structural edit and copy edit largely for reasons of time <laughs> you can see alicia raising an eyebrow there um not ideal but we have a fixed deadline to get the book out in june and you, you know, that's less than six months away now. So the good news is that there probably isn't anything wrong with the manuscript. I imagine it's flawless.
0: Really? Um, yes. Yeah. Is that, that, it? that is how things work. So,
3: yeah, it should be should be pretty straightforward, I would say.
0: <laughs> mm. Of
4: course, <laughs> Mine's different than it was because as a new author, I didn't have a lot of support group to start with. So it was just really discovery writing over a long period of time. Cause I had kids. So it would be like, well, let's put this down for a year or two while they tear up everything that they can get their hands on. And I'll come back to that later. Um, and it was just, well, what is this? What is this? No outlining, nothing like that. Just throw it at the wall, see if it sticks. And then uh, realizing that, wow, this is just a big mess on the wall. It was a lot of like going through and trying to fix it. But, not being an editor and trying to self-edit. So be like doing copy edits and line edits, but the whole thing's developmentally wrong and half of what you worked on you had to scrap because I'd been tackling it backwards. Um, So I find now that I've got a good group of critique partners uh, Mm -hmm. that I tend to let my drafts go to them a lot more garbagey than what I used to, because when you were newer to like each other as beta readers, you'd be like, well, I don't want to think I'm a bad writer. And but then once you got familiar with each other, like, I think I've done this one. I can't look at it anymore. It's garbage. You look at it and tell me what you think. So a lot of my drafts go out to at least my beta group a lot earlier than they used to, because we're all so familiar with each other and we all work on our own work and we're not afraid to tell each other that whole piece there is garbage and you need to work on this more (laughs) and there's no hurt feelings. So that part of it's changed a bit. I can uh, get the book in some form out the door and get some feedback on it earlier than I used to. but yeah, my first book that I got published here under the Lester Moon was the first novel I wrote. So there was like extreme developmental conceptual edits. It was two books originally, and we merged it down to one. So I've uh, had a lot of fun with big time concept developmental edits, um, and then remembering like, don't don't do your line edits first. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Well, like time frame wise, how long does each part of the editing process usually take?
2: Well, it depends on the length of it, really. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah.
2: Um, I mean, I'm going to give at least a month for a structural edit to go off and come back, at least. And that depends on the editor's um, time frames and, and how they work. Um, Again, with TradPub, it's going to be different because they're going to have set deadlines on when they're going to get things back to you and when they want what you have to do back to them because they have a much stricter timeline, whereas when you're an indie, you basically set that that deadline on yourself. You impose that on yourself. Um, But, yeah, about a month for each stage, I would say, and then time in between for you to actually do the changes. So it can, it can take, you know, four or five months, depending on the, the length of the book. If you've got something <laughs> over a hundred thousand words, it can be much longer.
0: Yeah, that'd be a three, yeah. Okay. Is that the same for everybody else, Is, basically?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it also depends on the editors. Like I've had times where I've set my book in and my editors have like, they're like, oh, we'll get back to you on it. Um, and then they'll get back to me like three weeks later and be like, all right, here's major structural changes you need to make. Here's a week to do it. I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> and it, it's, it honestly kind of feels like they just like spin a wheel sometimes. They're like, all right, we need this back by tomorrow.
5: Like,
1: tomorrow. Um, but like most editing, there ed- is just kind of like, it seems to be that they, they once, you get, once you get past structural edits, I feel like it's a lot easier just to like, mainly it's just like it's line edits, it's grammar, it's, my favorite part of the edits is when they're, the beta readers or proofreaders come in and they're like, "Hey, you use this word three times in like three successive paragraphs. Was that intentional?" And every time I'm like, "No, but I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'll fix it." Um, I
2: get to the point with that where I'm just like, "I'm just gonna highlight these from now on."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's almost worse when they kind of just give up and they're like. Refer to yeah. page like the yeah. list of, list <laughs> six of them in a row, and you're "Oh, I brought shame to my editors." Um, but it, it really depends on kind of things like uh, for my for the second book I wrote, we had a lot less structural edits that I needed to be done, but we had I felt like a lot more proofreading and line edits, and uh, we had like we had sensitivity readers come in. We also had just like an, a completely clean reader come in. Where they had never read anything myself before and they just came in and said, All right, these are my issues with it. And every single person found at least something. So Yay. it's kind of Yeah. And it's it's amazing kind of how many edits can go through and then someone can come and clean and be like, This doesn't make sense. And you're like, ah, yeah, I gotta fix that right now before <laughs> anything happens.
3: Well, especially if the result of earlier edits gradually pushes you away from the sort of the original whatever the hell it was. And by the yeah. time you've been through 16 rounds of editing with one editor, you put it in front of somebody else and they go, You say this thing at the start, and then nothing ever comes of it. And you're like, No, 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 it's <laughs>
5: uh, oh
3: yeah. That's that one thing I swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. None of that is oh, so this is all useless now. And and I find the best time for that to happen is when. All that stuff's in book one, and you're now editing book two. And all the stuff that you put in book one that you're going to come back to in book two gets taken out of book two. That's my favourite thing.
2: <laughs> See, that's why I like being an in indie because I'm like, actually,
3: nah. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's, it's necessary, like it's not being taken out out of spite, in this case anyway. Uh, a lot of the other edits were made from spite, purely, but, um, <laughs> you yeah, the, the book will be better. The book will be better. It'll be more readable. It'll be, you know, it'll be, pacier, it'll be more accessible. It's just there's a whole load of guff that I insisted on leaving in the first book, which now essentially serves no purpose. And if we'd done the whole thing, start to finish book one, book two. We could have smoothed that all of that out, and again, it's just a you know it's scheduling, it's timetable, it's the fact that you are in in TradPub. You're at the mercy of an industry and you're at the mercy of, of professional schedules and publishing schedules, and with the best will in the world, stuff's going to get missed, and it's going to get squeezed, and you will not hear anything for four months and then get a week-long deadline to turn around a hundred sixty thousand word manuscript. You yeah, know it's nobody's fault, is it, Nick?
1: <laughs> no, it's no one's fault. It's it's really our fault for writing those books that long. Yeah. yeah, write shorter books. That's the key. Okay. Yeah.
0: We have a question from an audience member, Paul Andrew Wanless wants to know if you can talk you guys talk a bit more about what structural editing consists of.
2: Structural editing is basically your big picture. So you're looking at your plot arc from start to finish. You're looking at your character arcs from start to finish, your character development, your world building. Um, Is it internally consistent? Um, Is your overall pacing working from chapter to chapter or should you pick up chapter two and move it before chapter one or do you need a prologue? Do you need chapter five through seven or are they just fluff of your character walking around the city streets and not actually discovering anything of use that you refer to later on in the novel. So, and if you you can say, oh, but that's really important for book two. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if it doesn't matter now, I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a learn. And that's the sort of stuff that you're going to do in your structural stuff. So it, it's your big, your bigger picture things that affect your overall flow of your story. Um. They're the things that, as a reader, you may not actually notice. You shouldn't notice them. They're the thing. They're the, the, the foundation concrete that you're going to put your whole book on, and your story is going to sit on top of all of that.
4: The readers will notice if it's wrong, though, right? They like, will
2: notice if it's, it's wrong. It's, I like to compare. <laughs> to right, it.
4: Have you ever watched a movie and you're like, it could have been so good. It could have been so good. The potential was there, but they missed it. That's a great example of bad developmental editing. They just didn't quite nail it. Great
0: concept, terrible execution.
2: Yeah,
3: (laughs) I'm right here, come on.
2: (laughs) It can be surprisingly difficult though because if you're anything like me you do mountains of research into one thing and it gets a sentence mentioned in the story but it's it's really tempting, especially when you're a baby author when you're first starting out, that you want to be like, look at all this research I did. It was amazing. And I've spent hours on this. And I'm like, actually, that's that's nice. But it doesn't, I I we're gonna waste time on this. And I mean, I spent a whole day doing research on um making sure that we had a date correct when I was editing the Lord of Prometheus. I was like, I know that date's wrong. But I spent an entire day researching it to make sure that it was right, just so that that they could stay in one line.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: it, it's really tempting to sit there and go, "But look at all the research I've done." But if it doesn't serve the story in that moment, then it's useless, and you should get rid of it.
3: And that's the stuff that gets removed in structural edits as well, probably. And that's,
2: yeah, that's the point yeah. of structural edits, so to make sure that everything is serving the story in a in a. A useful way.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um. Which editing software do you guys use? Or do you use, like...
3: <laughs> Word. Program? Word.
2: Word. Word. Yeah. I so write in Word. Word now yeah. and then edit in Word because Word does track changes. That's okay. pretty much it. Definitely. I do change the colors of the track changes <laughs> in Word because no one wants to see red. Red is sad. Red
6: oh. is sad. Red blood. Change it to blue, or
2: green or something else. no color. Unless it's wine. I don't want to see it on my desk. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but you are at the mercy of, you know, if you're editing and, and it's a collaboration, so everyone has to use the same software and Word mm-hmm. is the standard for all of its flaws and horrors. You know, you can write in whatever, anything you like, but the minute you send it out to someone in a format that you're then going to exchange and go backwards and forwards on,
0: yeah. it's,
3: it's going to be word.
0: And then just becomes a pain. If it's yeah. Sad. You have to change the formatting. and yeah.
3: a, a friend of mine is determined to build a software platform that can empower collaborative editing for, uh, like, editors and writers and, and proofreaders and everything. And he's definitely going to get around to doing it soon. Not this year. I mean, not next year either, but he will. And when he does, we can all use that. So I'll let you know. Yeah. Hi, Lawrence. <laughs>
5: Does
0: Scrivener do any of the collaborative editing stuff?
2: No, I don't think so. I mean, it, it may have an internal function that if you're doing stuff yourself, like if you want to, but if you're going to send that to someone, like the editors that I work with don't. New Scrivener, as far as I know. And the differences between Scrivener for PC and Scrivener for Mac are completely different. Like, no one wants to mess with that.
6: Right,
2: right. Which is adding a whole other layer of complexity to a moment nobody needs (sighs) more complex.
0: Okay. How do you all, um, when you get a large pile of edits coming back to you, how do you break off pieces and work on it? Do you each have your own different um, processes? do the
3: easy bits first like there will always be something in the edit letter that you you go through it and you get to you know page 66 page 70 of the edit letter and you're like you're beginning to lose faith but there will be some stuff in there you're like okay i can do it and then gradually you get through the easy bits and the quick bits and then you're left with the hardy chunk. and it you know and it gets the stuff which the the first time you get any editorial feedback and you're like you're gonna have to do this horrible thing i don't want to do the horrible thing but after a week, after a couple of weeks, like, I'm going to have to do the horrible thing. And then and then eventually the horrible thing isn't that bad because you start to form ideas about how you might do the horrible thing. And then you get used to the notion and you've got some, yeah, we could do that, we could do that, if we could do that, blah, 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 blah. And eventually you work through the, you know, the implications, ideally. I mean, it helps if you work through the implications. Uh, and then the horrible thing is no longer so horrible. And if you've occupied yourself by doing the quick edits first it makes the progress considerably less stressful and upsetting than trying to do the big thing on day one when it's still fresh. And you're like, this book is nearly finished. You get your editor note back. This book will never be finished. And then, <laughs> and it's just the downward spiral from there. So, you know, I like to try to maintain an upward spiral yeah,
0: Right, sort of like a spiral.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's spiraling. <laughs> There's definitely spiraling. You just try and control the,
1: uh, the elevation.
0: <laughs> what about you?
1: Uh, I will say I'm the opposite. I usually do the terrible thing first. Oh, no. Uh, Go how to go home. I, so, usually, the reason I do the terrible thing first is that's usually where, like, the crux of my, like, problems arise. I'm like, I gotta fix this before I can touch anything else. Uh. And usually by then, uh, I've thought about, like, I've realized, all right, this scene is not good. By the time my editor, like, pushes it back, I'm like, I know I messed up that scene. Let me try to fix it a different way. So I've already like kind of thought about a decent amount and like, this is not like good. I'm also like, I can do it better. Let me do it right now. And I just start jumping into it. Uh, and like half the time, I'm, like I gotta go do it again. But then I do the easy bits after I've either failed or succeeded with the terrible thing.
3: Like a little treat at the end, like pudding.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I want that nice treat where I'm like, ah, oh, let me just, oh, I just <laughs> like messed up hair. a name here. Yeah. <laughs> so, let me just, yeah.
0: It's
1: a nice little, just like add like cherry on top.
2: Alicia, what about you? When I'm editing for someone else, I tend to send them chapter chunks. So I'll literally send two, three chapters back at a time. The email will have like what's good, what's working, what's not working. Um, These are some things that you need to go away and look at um, and actually research into and and work out whether you're accurate with that and whether you're using that the right way. Um, because I basically crashed Graham's computer once with all the track folders and I realised that I couldn't send an entire MS with the number of track changes I make because I'm just, I can't walk away. If I see that it's not working, I can't step past it and go, oh, it's all right, someone else will catch that because I might be the only structural editor that that indie author gets. So trad pub are going to come back and come back and come back and come back. Indie, no, no one can afford that
0: mm-hmm.
2: because no one's got the budget for that. So I've got to try and capture everything, every tiny little detail that I can find, and say this needs work. So if I have to break it down into, and if you have to get ten email or an email a day with a chapter a day, whether you how you deal with that when you get it in your inbox is up to you. Um, whatever you have to take to help you cope with that, that's fine. Um, But, yeah, that's how I'll do it so I don't crash your computer. Um, When my editors come back to me, it's generally a whole MS and I'll just read through what they've sent me in the letter, make some notes as I'm going, um, and then I'll just start with Chapter 1. Okay. If I need to move something structurally, like if they're like, you need to move this chapter to here or whatever, I'll probably do that first, physically do that first, and then I'll just comb through it and take out the knots as i go and just keep working through from start to finish because that's how my autistic brain works i can't i can't do chapter 18 and then come back to chapter one i can't do that
0: have to do a progression
2: yeah
4: yeah okay shelly what about you i'm similar to nick i just tear the band-aid off and go for the <laughs> go for the stuff that hurts the most <laughs> i find though i'm not as surprising when i get edits back as early on as an author like especially if you have a a critique group and stuff like that you start to get an instinct where you're like "Mm, maybe this isn't working but maybe it'll slip through and it never slips through (laughs) If, if you have some inkling that that it's not working it's definitely not working um so edit letters aren't as surprising i suppose anymore so yeah i usually take hour or two to absorb whatever they've said get over the baby author oh my gosh I can't do this (laughs) and then that passes pretty quickly and then just dive right in to the tough (laughs) stuff Uh, because usually like Nick said if it's something big for mine it's something that's gonna affect every other little thing usually Mm -hmm. Uh, most of my big edits are structural stuff so have to get the the bones figured out first before I start playing with every little detail
0: We have a, we have an audience question. Is it best to get professional editing done before submitting to agents? Hmm.
4: Uh,
2: I think it depends where you're at with your career as a writer. So when I was first starting out with my first novels, I needed help to find out what I was doing wrong. mm -hmm. So I was paying an editor to essentially be my mentor or my coach. To teach me where I was failing and the, the things that I needed to strengthen, but there's definitely, and I think the trad guys can talk to this a bit more. But I would say that there's definitely a sense within the trad side of the industry that that is absolutely not necessary. Some editors, agents will say, no, 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 don't do that.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: It. it But it's a bit flexible. But I personally needed that process to help me become a better author. So that was was my personal experience.
3: I have seen agents try to dissuade people from getting a professional edit on a manuscript you're intending to submit. And it's almost implying that it's slightly dishonest to do it, as in an agent expects you to be turning in something that is is, as good as you personally can get it as a writer. But if you've then paid for it to be edited and then you're submitting it off the back of that, then you're actually submitting something that isn't just you and then that's almost sort of sleight of hand. Um, That's a
0: really good point. Interesting. Yeah,
3: I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I buy that because it's still ultimately your work and the potential underneath is still there. But I've seen it set. And generally, I mean, I don't know if Nick's experience is any different, but um, the advice that I've seen generally from agents is get the book as good as you can get it and then submit it to agents and submit it to lots of agents
1: yeah like i so when the question was asked my rancher was like no because like the first thing my agent did he said oh this is all bad like let's scrap it, essentially, and like <laughs> he, he'll say it. He, he, he's like first thing he's like, "Now this sucked." Like let's I want
3: to represent you in your terrible work.
1: Well, that's kind of what he said. Like <laughs> I I say like seriously? He'll say it too. Um, where it was, he he took me on, and he saw me writing. He's like, "All right." He had actually took it on the second draft that I'd done in the book. And he said, "All right, you're improving at this rate. I'm going to help you get to the rate that we can get it like sellable." And he, had, he essentially took me on because he's like a, edit, a structural and editor agent um, and you're not not every edit and not every agent does edits yeah. um, and that's part of the whole agent process where like if you want an agent that's going to edit your work you got to look for them you got to know them because I also know a lot of edit authors who are very happy with their agents but they essentially their agents are like help you sell the first book and then we just deal with business we don't work with the books again that's why you have editors. Yep. um so like I would say no just because like I would feel cheated if I like bought like like paid for professional editing and then my agent was like no it was terrible like why did you do this like, so like I'm just like a practical like money standpoint I would not I, I couldn't do it but I also understand Alicia was saying like it, it, needing that help like I also got to that point where I was like I feel like I hit a wall and I needed someone to help me get better yeah. um like,
2: how, how do I know when it like, I, I know when I've, I can't do anything more with it, but yeah. I also know that it's not as polished as it could be. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of, it's a cyclical argument. Like, we want you to submit your most polished work, but if this is the first book you've ever written, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I've seen two different ends of the spectrum with stuff that's been submitted to me as an editor, like completely over-edited and, you know, there's barely bones left who hardly edited at all, and I'm like, if you were an agent, neither of these two are going to make it through Slot. I'm like, there's also no opportunity for the author to learn unless they have someone to teach them where they're falling down. And if you don't have that opportunity, either through coaching or mentoring or through workshops or whatever, you've got to find that somewhere. And sometimes that means paying an editor. Maybe that's not the book that you start. I don't know, but i don't know it's, it's kind of complicated and it not yeah. it doesn't, these rules don't apply to every agent ever in every genre that's the other thing
1: mm. yeah i would say that if you're doing it to polish a book before submitting to an agent i wouldn't do it just because there's a really strong chance an agent just come out and say like all right this doesn't work for me or like maybe you'll get by first rounds but like there are very few agents who take you on that initial book. Like most of them are gonna like be like, Hey, I want you to revise this section. Because half of it's just how well you guys work together. If an author comes back and says, Oh, I don't want to revise this, the age will be like, All right, I guess maybe we disagree on like, yeah, like maybe we just disagree and we're going different ways. Yeah. But if you're looking for as like, all right, I know and I'm, I'm at my limit of what I think I can do writing wise and I want someone to get better, then you've already tried like critique groups. To readers, and like you're still feeling like that, maybe look into it, but it's complicated. Like, I don't really know actually how I fall on it. But
4: I think the main thing, like, as Alicia was saying, you, you, I think you were saying you used it because you almost as like a mentorship or a coaching that, right? That so it might not be if that's your only option for coaching and yeah you can afford to pay that uh, great and i uh paid uh, for one of my other works uh, a professional edit for sa- same reason it wasn't ever going to see publishing but at that time i didn't have any sort of critique group or writers groups yeah. or anything there just wasn't anything really available in my area and i hadn't made those contacts and that was it that was the coaching but i found after i got uh, some critique partners and joining writers group and other places where you could get feedback and coaching that that fell a bit more to the wayside and and uh, i think an agent wants some indication that you're uh play well with others willing to do revisions and stuff like that but it yeah. doesn't necessarily sorry it doesn't necessarily have to be um through a professional editor that's one avenue for sure but yeah definitely like everyone's saying it's not the only avenue i certainly wouldn't use
2: it as the first your first right, right. Uh, yeah. like, if you've just finished draft one no i <laughs> mean <laughs> any editor with this goal is going to turn around and go this isn't ready for editing so because try and go through those other avenues first mm-hmm. if it's the only option for you then you probably need to say that up front to the person that you're sending this book to
0: Uh, so, guess that leads into the next question: um, pro editor versus beta reader versus sensitivity readers. Um, which has been the most helpful to you as an author?
1: Uh,
6: yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've only really had pro editors. I've, I've never, no, I've never had a sensitivity reader, which I think is probably something I could do with, uh, and my. Beta readers were generally my friends who were either going to go out of their way to say something nice, or more likely, go out of their way to say something as unpleasant as possible.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm just try to like toughen you up a little bit. Yeah,
3: no, I mean, it's there's the standard friendship dynamic, isn't it? Here is the thing that I have made, and like your initial reaction has to be why, why have you done this? And now you're expecting me to spend time looking at this thing you have done.
0: And then Why? I have to hang out with you on a Friday night and pretend I liked it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I didn't read it yet. I just I'm getting <laughs> to it. Like it's next week, I swear. Next week I'm gonna read it. I swear.
3: Yeah, so generally the most in-depth stuff uh, I have had has been the the people who've been paid to edit my work,
1: <laughs> funnily <laughs> enough. <laughs> um but yeah, I think it honestly like this is this is just like me running around in circles again, but it's also just like depending on what you're going for, what you need at the time. Like I will say, like I learned more from that first round of pro editing than I did anything in writing before that, before I got editors. Because they like kicked me to the curve and they're like, All right, let me show you actually how editing's done. And I felt like I got like smacked upside the head and like, All right, time to learn. Um, but beta readers like the thing beta readers are really nice is that they'll give you more likely a general sense of how the audience may react to a story. And that's really important. So you know, like, all right, if you create a character that you want people to love and everyone's like they hate them with a burning they hate them with a burning passion, like you some, the lines have been crossed somewhere.
5: Uh-huh. And you
1: gotta figure out. And sensitivity readers I also really think are important because sometimes everyone just doesn't sometimes doesn't know things and you'll have a reader coming to be like, oh, this is this. And you'll be like, "Oh, I've made a big mistake. I got to fix that, like right now." And they're important, so it's kind of just like which in the moment is more useful. But they're all useful. They're all just different reasons why.
2: Okay. Uh, sorry, Shelly. Go ahead. Oh, it depends on the book. I mean, if if you're dealing with some sensitive topics or some some um, character backgrounds that are not your own. And you feel that you really, and that you feel you should check up and, and check in and make sure that you're not playing into stereotypes or anything like that. Like you, you need to check in with people, you know, or um, do your research at the very minimum. I mean, if you're an indie author and you can't afford to <laughs> reader, do your research, read Google, Google is your friend. It's not up to someone else. You know, don't don't tweet, like, your favourite black author and be like, hey, can you help me out with this? Like, that's not their job. Shut <laughs> you down. It's not their <laughs> job to educate you <laughs> on that's that stuff. Do your research. So, you know, if you can't afford a sensitivity reader, that's on you. Mm-hmm. But these things are important to do and um, beta readers are important, alpha readers are important. Alpha readers tend to sometimes be within your family. Someone who's going to be like, you sit there and kind of read as you go along, or you can bounce ideas off. Um, but then they've got to be the right person. And I was going to make this point a little bit later, but um, a beta reader who is your friend is probably not a useful beta reader. Like, praise doesn't help you get better. Sorry. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Like, it boosts your ego and makes you not feel like shit when you get your edits. But It doesn't actually make you a better author. Like getting whacked around the head with a frying pan of edits, that does make you a better author. But kindly,
0: you know. (laughs) 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 A
3: gentle blessing with the frying pan.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's um
3: beaten with love.
2: Yeah, um, but then you know, it really depends on what you have access to. Mm -hmm. And if if you don't have access to Beta readers with background and experience—you just gotta take what you get. Find a beta, find a friend of yours who reads your genre, a lot. Don't find a friend of yours who reads romance and you're writing grim dark. That ain't gonna work. They're just not gonna because they're gonna be like, "Where's the kissing? Where's the connection? They're not. It's it's not like you need to find those people to help that fit what you're trying to do because they're gonna have an opinion because you know if one of my beta readers is a huge fantasy fan. Like her first photo with her husband is with her on one side and him on the other and Robin Hobb in the middle. (laughs) That's their first photo together. And so (laughs) when she's reading my book, she's coming from a background of of Feist and from Hobb and from all of these these big names. So she's got expectations, right? Mm -hmm. She's not gonna let me not do things. Like she she's going to pull me up so but giving it to um you know a friend of mine who who reads thrillers they're probably gonna go oh it's good yeah <sighs> that doesn't help.
4: i find i rely on uh, my beta readers and my critique group a little bit i lean on bit dif- differently than I do editing, Uh, your beta readers, like if one or two people mention something, then you've got an idea that, hey, this is something that needs to be changed. More than one person have mentioned that they're getting hung up on this. And I find a lot of the time my beta readers will be something's not working here. Like something's not right here. And by the time you get to editorial, the editor is like, this is what's not working. And this and this and this is what you need to do to fix it. So they're more of a roadmap. Whereas the beta readers are more of just that general feel like we know something's not working. We know you need to tweak something here. Um, And the more of them that say you need something there, obviously, (laughs) the more they are onto something. It's nice to have that wider lens for the betas and then more of a roadmap I find when I get into edits. Okay.
0: Um, Is the editing process the same for shorter fiction? You know, like if you're writing a short story or novella length fiction, is it the same or is there differences in it?
2: I'm incapable of writing anything less than a hundred thousand words, so yeah. I don't know.
3: <laughs> I once wrote something that was seventy thousand words, uh, but it nearly killed me.
2: <laughs> no, I don't. I have no idea. Yeah. I've novellas for someone else, but i
4: I've done shorts, and I found it's been the same. Like I still yeah. needed to make sure that you had a good start, good middle, good finish, and then go back in the details. Yeah. yeah. So it's been very similar for me. Okay.
1: Nick, any? I, like, I, 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 wrote short stories. I was a creative writing, uh, a major in college. We had like workshops for short stories because like, they just didn't want us to write novels. But like, I can't really like speak to that because like, it's, there's one novel class once there's one you got to, like your third or fourth year and it's canceled. But, um, so you mainly wrote short stories. But like, it's hard for me to say that because it's. While it was more like a a bunch of beta readers were reading it. So it was a bunch of my classmates and they had own instances, which taught me a lot of how like, all right, let me just like, who's like getting it, who's not, and who's like pointing things out. And it's useful in that regard, but I I can't speak for like professional, like editing a short story. Like I haven't hit that. I haven't seen that. I've just seen novels, which is like a frying pan to the face sometimes. really.
6: (laughs)
3: We're sticking with that, aren't we? It's, yeah, it's,
4: it's perfectly good easy. analogy. Right? Yeah, <laughs> the edits hurt a lot less on short stories. I'll say that because <laughs> no matter how big it is, it's still a short story. It's like it's not something that's going to take long <laughs> to quickly. Yeah, yeah you have you just to start need, from scratch.
3: That's it, isn't it? You just need to change one thing the words, but apart from that, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: when I did the editing for an anthology recently. One thing I did notice is that someone who doesn't generally read short stories as well as doesn't write them. Um, I I wanted those stories to get to the point reasonably quickly and and to to drag me in really fast.
0: Well, you have to do
6: Um, that with
2: short stories. Sorry?
0: I said you have to do that with short stories. Exactly,
2: whereas I'm a lot more willing to give a novel a a bit more leeway to kind of show me where it's going because I'm kind of settling in for a series, you know, TV, show. Like, like if I'm just settling in for, for a movie, I'm gonna want all those things to happen in quick succession. But if I know I'm in for a series or, you know, a franchise, I'm like, okay, take your time. Let's do this together. We got some time. So, you know, it's, um, it is when, when you're editing it like, like on a professional level, I think that you're, you're looking for slightly different things to be done in a slightly different way, but essentially, grab your reader, sit them down, get on with
0: it. You only have so many words to work You with. You do, and
2: yeah. and if you don't get that done, they're gonna go off and do something else.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Everyone's got a computer in their pocket. They've got something better to go and do. You have a job to get them interested quickly. Okay. So.
0: When does an author need to take constructive criticism or a frying pan? comment and utilize that. and when does an author need to stand their ground like how do you how do you balance that kind of
1: so <laughs> the, this is like the hardest question because it's i think it changes to what stage like how many books you've written okay my suspicion
3: like, though sir, if Without wishing to over, overrun you here, the first person that jumps to mind when you say that is Anne Rice. If you're
6: going to say that, yeah.
3: So finish your point, Nick, and I'll just yeah. you going. Anne
1: Rice, Anne Rice.
6: Anne Rice. <laughs> um,
1: I, I, I think it's if you tried to write a book where you listened to every single person, it would not make sense. And there would be a lot of flaws in it. Like at the end of the day, I think as an author, you need to kind of be like, like kind of like sit your book down and be like, no, this is what it's about, and I'm gonna stick with it. And like, I'm listening to everyone, but I can't listen to everything because you kind of can get very easily lost. Like you can have some writers who are like, this part was really good, and some people are uh, readers who are like, this part's really bad, and you'll like be looking at the same passage. You're like. What did I do? Why do some people react differently than others? I, I, I don't want to say like it, it comes down to like following the vision you want to do, but at the same time, it really does kind of come down to like listening to people and like learning, but also doing what you think is necessary for the story to succeed the way you want it to.
3: I, I saw someone describe editing a, a long time ago now as helping you deliver the vision that you had for your book. And I think it's, it's really important to think of it like that. Like It should still be your book. It should still be the story you wanted to tell and ideally in the way you wanted to tell it. And, you know, like Nick says, the danger is if you listen to everybody, you get a book that's been done by a committee and if there's one thing we know committees are good at, it's making yeah. decisions in a timely fashion and delivering yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
2: the, the point about um, an editor helping you make the best version of your book is 100% that's That's our job. Mm
5: -hmm.
2: Our job is not to write your book for you. Um, It's it's a
5: real
2: shame. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Our job is to bring your voice ever clearer, right? So if if your reader can't see past the spelling mistakes for the white noise that that creates, they're not gonna see your vision. So I'm like, but I think that certainly this is true for indies. Um, that you need to find an editor that you trust because they're the person you listen to. I have I have reviews of my books who are like, Leiden is far too old for her age. And I also have reviews who are like, Leiden is far too young for what she is doing. And I'm like, which fucking one is it? Yeah. <laughs> it can't be both. So, but I'm like, okay, well, I've, I've obviously done the right thing because they're both annoyed. So I'm like, I'm okay with that. I had to make the decisions that I had to make for my story and um, working with my editor and they understood, because I've had a couple of different editors, they understood my vision and where I wanted to go with these characters and helped me to get my characters to where I needed them to be. They weren't there when the books went to them, but that's where we ended up going. But if an editor is saying to you, hey, this doesn't make sense, or, hey, I don't understand where you're going with this, or I'm really not comfortable with this, and you're going, but I, I totally talked about that in Chapter 3. But did you? <laughs> did, you actually, did you actually get there, though? Like, did you? If, if, if your editor is read right up to that point and they're going, mm, it doesn't make sense, you've missed something. You've dropped the yeah. ball somewhere. You need to go back and figure out what it was that you messed up or didn't do or isn't quite right, because they wouldn't be asking that question. Mm-hmm. So, and I do think that there are hills that you need to, to, to pick that you're gonna die on. I think you're probably less flexible with Trad than you are with Indie. Indie, I can get my, edits back from my editor and just go, uh reject there's a learning police, but there is a reader. Yeah, right?
3: you, 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 can, a reader. you can do that in Trad. I just, I don't know what
2: happened, What would happen if you did. Well, uh, I am aware of an author friend of mine who got told to go and rewrite the entire book. Okay. Or you don't get edited. It was like, that's your choice. You go and rewrite the whole book or the book doesn't get published. And it was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like so- a whole year of work down the toilet. Mm-hmm. So on what hill are you going to die on there? Are you going to throw your publishing contract in the toilet, or are you going to do what the editor wants you to do? Hmm.
1: Sorry. So, so fun story uh, about <laughs> that. <laughs> um, I, I, t- I actually have two editors. I have a US and a UK mm-hmm. editor, and they both do structural edits on my book. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they'll disagree about the same thing, and it's kind of yeah. choosing which one you follow. And like you're like, uh, let's go this way. So, I right.
3: from a, from a practical sense, though. Are you in, you're in communication with them each individually, or do you have like a three-way edit?
1: Uh, can you make, uh, each each individually. So what usually happens is that my agent gets the first crack of the book. So before my editors even see it, he'll go over and be like, all right, this is bad. Change Nick now. And (laughs) and then one of my editors will talk behind the scenes and be like, all right, I'm going to do the first draft. So one of them will do the first draft, shoot it back, uh, with their edits and then the other one will be like all right the next draft I got it but they're both reading it only one uh, is doing the edits at a time okay so I've been in really weird and funny and kind of cool situations where i've like each editor has said okay we want you to do this and i'll be like all right and then the next edit will be like no 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 the other editor okay. will be like no I don't like that I don't like that just get rid of it and I'll be like uh but where which one do I follow yeah. um and it's,
3: it's the uk interesting- editor that's the answer
1: <laughs> it, it really depends, like I think once you, when you have start building a relationship with editors, it's really kind of interesting and cool to see like what they focus on and how they'll each catch different things and they'll put a lot of emphasis on different things. Yeah. So I really like both my editors because they both focus and they both like catch really different things. Um, and after doing two books, and I imagine even after the third book, it's allowed me to kind of be like, all right, if one of them's saying I need to fix this, but the other one's not, I've, I've had this relationship with them be like, all right, I kind of know what they're catching here. So I can either tweak it to what they both will like, or I can kind of like talk to each of them individually about it and be like, all right, I'm trying to do this. Someone tell me which one I should do here. And it also that works- That in the-
2: relationship's so important and that trust. Yeah. Because you yeah. trust with them that you trust their judgment. And that yeah. you trust that mentorship relationship where they're going to help you develop your book to the best that it's going to be. If if you don't trust your editor and they send you back edits and you go, no, my book is amazing and I'm never going to change anything because I'm Anne Rice. Sorry, <laughs> sorry.
3: <laughs> um, I thought we weren't going to mention Anne Rice.
2: Actually, <laughs> um, that's, that's the thing. Like you, you it, invariably the quality of your writing is going to go down mm, if yeah. you don't have that relationship and that trust. Yeah.
3: But I think probably the one the one thing that we haven't actually said out loud and, and maybe is worth just saying is that every writer needs editing. Yeah. Like, even Anne, I know you're watching, even you. Um,
0: what is the thing with Anne Rice? Like she didn't want to have her book edited? Yeah,
3: she she decided that she had um, transcended, I think, beyond it, the mortal bonds of everything. Really? Yeah, uh, oh so she knew how to well write her done. books better than anyone else. And there was no point, like, she would let the editor read the books and she would let the editor, I think, maybe send her two or three post-it notes a year. But um, that, I think, was the limit of their interaction.
2: Yeah, That's her newer stuff. New when you start to see readers commenting on the quality of the book, oh. that's, that's they're the editing police. Like, okay, you can, you can get to the file, you can be the indie who says, actually, no, I'm not going to listen to the editor. I just paid three grand for Um, Why you would do that, I don't know. But okay, cool. But you're going to see that in your reviews. People are going to read your book. They're not going to come back for book two. And that's where you're going to get the editing police because they're going to be the ones that are going to be the final arbiter of whether your book's worth paying money for.
4: Yeah. And it's funny how some people tend to forget, maybe as they get further in their writing career, that it is a collaborative effort still yeah. I mean at the beginning it's you you're writing the book but every book by the time it gets to the publishing stage whether it's traditional or indie it's a collaborative effort I mean again to take it back to like the example of movies I'm sure there's some the rare fantastic movie shot on somebody's iPhone that's won like indie awards somewhere but most movies or tvs or most stories it's a collaborative effort it's been multiple people working on this to make it work well um, and it's Uh, works, usually works better with, with some input, like you said before, as long as this was a grain of salt, not with everyone, not with an entire committee's (laughs) input, but with well-planned input and the same vision for your book going forward. Yeah. There's, I, I definitely wouldn't be able to do it without several critique partners that caught different things and, and editors. Okay. Um, What is the criteria
0: you guys use to vet an editor if you're going to hire an editor? Yeah. how do you know that you're going to be an excellent working match is there a certain yeah.
1: that you're for? well uh for traditional at least are they trying to buy my book it's really like that's uh, i mean that like I, that's just for traditional but yeah uh, that's really the first step for me uh but sometimes you'll like be able to have conversations with them like i was lucky enough that i got to talk and actually meet both my editors in person before we agreed and we just chatted. We talked about what we liked about the book. They asked some questions about what they didn't like and we chatted about that too and I was like, yeah, yeah, I really messed that part up. They are like, yeah, you really did. So, uh, <laughs>
3: yeah, that's being self-deprecating and you've just twisted the knife. That's nice, yeah. yeah. You
1: can tell I was talking to the UK editor on that one. Uh, <laughs> but it's... I, I, I think... He, you're going to get a, almost like a gut instinct when you start talking to editors about your book. Like there are some editors who'll be like, i will right, just instantly know it's like, all right, something feels off. They're going a different way with it. Then I want to go with it. And same thing with agents. It's honestly just talking to them about their book. Like if they read my book and they want to talk about it and just not send like an all caps email saying I'm the worst writer ever, like we're already off. to a great start. <laughs>
2: Yeah, non-rejection is always a good start. Yeah. I think that for me, I'm looking as an indie because I am actually building a publishing team. So I'm I am in my own sense a publishing house. Mm-hmm. I don't know, probably not a very good one, but you know, I'm trying. Um so I'm looking for someone who's got reps from people who I respect, whose books I've read who um are of a quality that I think are that I want my book to be at. Um, I'm looking for editors who work within the genre and even better in the subgenre. Um, I, My current structural and copy editor is Australian um, and she's worked on novels from, from authors who I respect and who people have said are like my work. Um, but then sometimes it, you just got to get down to the, the nitty-gritty of how much does it cost, yeah. how much can you afford. Yeah. Um and when they do your sample edit, which any editor who you are looking to employ should be doing a sample edit for free, a couple of chapters, even just a chapter, so that you can get a sense of what kind of feedback they're going to give you. If they send you two chapters and it's got three edits in it, they're not an editor you want. If it's all praise and no criticism, that's not the editor you want. You don't want to praise play pay like if you want some pay someone to make you feel good. An editor is not the person to do that. There are other places you can go for that kind of attention. <laughs> okay. But then price obviously comes in um, in that in that equation as an in indie because sometimes you can only afford what you can afford. Um, I would say though, if you if you're looking to write a book, the day you start writing is the day you need to start saving because you don't know if you're going to go indie or not, and you're going to have to pay for something along the way whether it's workshops or going to cons or whatever start putting some money away because the worst thing is is if you finish a book and go okay now i need an editor and it's like oh actually i can't afford that and then you're stuck there with an audio script you can't do anything with yeah okay
0: what would editors want writers to know about the writing that would make the editing process go smoother
3: I imagine write it, write it correctly the first time, probably
0: okay.
3: <laughs> Stop getting it wrong, stop writing trash. I don't know, Alicia.
0: I have
2: notes.
0: the turn your darling's thing, right? Don't be be willing
2: like like the one of the first things is be willing to grow and learn. You know, if you're, you're you're putting your book out there for feedback, that's what you're going to get. Um, like I said, you're not, praise doesn't help you grow as an author. Praise is nice. It's good to know what you do well sure. um, and where your strengths are. But I personally want to know where I'm falling down. So um, you can't be your mates unless your mates have some sort of background in, in you know, th- that's actually going to help you. Um, if you're not at the point where you're starting to actually look at the books that you're reading for leisure and starting to actually study them in the sense that why do I like this book? What is it about this book that I'm enjoying? Or what is it about this book that I don't like? And actually starting to deconstruct that as a writer, then you're not ready. Um, If I have to teach you primary school punctuation, you're not ready. Um, (laughs) Searching those basics, how do I punctuate dialogue? How, you know, that sort of stuff is not the stuff that 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 that's stuff that your editor can catch, but if I have to do it with every single dialogue, understand how dialogue tags work, understand how you show, not tell, and how to massage between the two because sometimes one's important and sometimes one's not. Like, you need to teach yourself those things. You can go and do a creative writing course if you want, but that's money. You'll pay for that. So there are ways that you can do these things yourself. Um, But as you're learning, as you're being edited and as you're putting out book after book, like I've learned from my editor what are the things that I always do in drafting so I know that I do them. I know I repeat words like a crazy person because I'm just spitting out the story. I don't care that that I've said, you know, smiled 15,000 times on this page. I don't care. I'm going to come back and find that later. But if it goes through to my editor and I've said smile 15,000 times, she's just going to be like, what is this shit, Alicia? <laughs> 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 and I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, AJ. Yeah. Get the crying um, going. <laughs> yeah. Like so what you do in drafting is fine. Like write it in crayon if you want. I don't care. But when it's coming through to your editor, like that's when you need to have honed it down as much as you possibly can.
3: That's the polishing a bit. Isn't it? That Again, is That is that polishing bit yeah. through the
2: drafting process that, that is important because otherwise you're wasting their time and mm-hmm. you're wasting your time, wasting your money. Yeah, they are focusing on fixing your dialogue tags and your dialogue punctuation. you are not focusing on the overall story arc and on your pacing because they can't see that for what they're looking at on the page in front of them, which is a dog's breakfast. So fix that first. Get it polished as much as you can before it gets in front of an editor. Any editor. Yeah.
0: I can't actually think of an an occasion where the unedited version of something that has come out has been better. Like, I, I for funsies, read the stand in both the unedited version and the edited version. And the unedited version was like an extra 700 pages necessary.
3: I I like to think of, of that as um I don't know if you think of a film you really really love and this is going to date me because going back to when DVDs were new, who remembers that? Nick, you remember when DVDs were new, right? Yeah,
6: yeah, so, we're all that old. Yeah, the you know
3: the 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 the, uh, the advent of the special features. And oh, you yeah. had the director's commentary, and you could find out what they were thinking when they were doing that. And you, you know, and, and then you find that the deleted scenes
0: are always terrible. And
3: they're heartbreaking to watch. <laughs> <laughs> like, every so often, you would watch one, and you'd be going like, that, that's a really good scene. Oh, that's very cool. Oh, I like that. But most of the time, it, it actively makes your enjoyment of the film that you watched <laughs> that didn't contain that scene worse like you it will lower your opinion of that for you know it could be the best film in the world like bad boys and you watch it and you watched it yeah it is um and you watch the deleted scenes from bad boys or you listen to michael bay's director's commentary and it makes you hate the film because it it takes away the magic of receiving the end product on your own terms and you see the workings underneath and you see how crap it could have been and it and it stains the original. Unless, I think, you are a massive enthusiast for it. And, and for something like, um, what is it, the, like the Neil Gaiman author's preferred text of American gods. So that's, God knows, another sort of 600 pages or yeah. something on top of what's already yeah. a fairly serious book. A friend of mine read that, and he said, well, it's basically the same. It's just the sentences have more words in them.
5: <laughs> like,
2: and I think that's interesting. Like that, that's like a writer who writes with economy, I would say, in the drafting process somebody who is as they're working through they're actually like does this service the story no well i'm not going to bother putting it on the page i'm gonna waste yeah. my time with it so i mean i don't know maybe he does but um i think a lot of like interestingly i think the lord of the rings extended edition ah back to the you know cinema cut i don't want to watch the cinema cut i want to no. <laughs>
3: but this this is the enthusiast thing this is like yeah, I, I love this thing and i want more of it and and we yeah. had we had to reduce it to make it palatable for normal people there's you know <laughs> the, 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 the dis, like the distribution graph of like you know it's, it's something good or bad is it's just a pathetically subjective question to us what, what you're actually asking is of the distribution of human beings out there likely to consume this work, how many of them will form a positive opinion of it and will will enjoy it? And you're essentially looking at a very narrow slice or a very wide slice. Something that's held up as being good is enjoyed by nearly everybody, and something that's held up as being not very good, you can still find that little narrow slice of people who are like, actually, Bad Boys 2 is better. Was
2: there a huge number of endings for Blade Runner 1? I was actually going to say Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, How many people actually sat there and watched all of them and was like, yes, I really like ending 3.15. And then there's the director's
3: cut. Yes. The, the, the director's got the so, cut, the final cut, the the various editions that they put
2: out in the wild, yeah. I have seen, though, with a couple of the books I've edited, I've either had to read that first book again as the published version because I'm then editing the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm seeing that final published one that is different to the one that I edited. Um, but I haven't had to do that a lot. It is nice to see your edits in the work, though. If you pick up on a couple of little things that you might have suggested, or if you remember a scene that you wanted to change that you thought needed to be changed, that's kind of nice to see that those are carried through. Um, but I, I can't. Beyond that, I I can't really think of any examples where I've read the unedited version and preferred that to the final product. And you shouldn't. If that's happening, something horribly gone wrong in the process (laughs) of the editing um, and it's lost. But I I think that, interestingly, going from a book to a film adaptation, Mm. I lose a lot of... I mean, I remember watching the film Aragon when I was much, much younger mm-hmm. um, and just yeah. being like, what are you missing here?
0: I, I prefer to think that that didn't actually happen.
2: Like, I just felt like someone had just sort of sprayed a story on the screen rather than actually adapted one.
6: Mm.
2: It was it was empty and shallow, and I felt like that had lost something in that process of adaptation. So that's, that's kind of a sad way of, I don't know, that doesn't really class as editing, but...
0: Mm. What's the time yeah. editing? I mean you're editing for a different medium. Yeah, like slicing and dicing for a different medium. Trying to
2: pick the the important parts to carry through and it just it lost something. And I'd never read the book, but I could tell as a as a film mm-hmm. viewer like there's something not here. It was
0: it's very flat.
2: Yeah, it was watery and that it it was missing missing something.
0: Ender's Game was like that too. Did you guys ever see the the movie Ender's Game versus read Ender's Game the book? No. Oh, I'm just <laughs> I'm just a reading geek. So, but yeah, Ender's Game is like that also. Like Ender's Game is very rich, you know, and it has a lot of subtext and stuff. It does not translate for a six year old playing a particular part. Mm. And it just it just they edited it and pulled all these pieces out, and it completely flattened the the movie.
2: Yeah, and I think that's probably the, the main instance where I would say that the, the previous version was was richer or more robust is is when you have a book that's gone into a movie. And that, I mean, that's that's the old adage, you know, the book's better than the movie.
5: Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> but sometimes... It's true, but that's most of the time true.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think screen for me adds a lot to sci-fi and fantasy in, in the special effects. certainly mm. f- Certainly sci-fi screen brings a lot that, that I can't visualize in my head. So I like that. Hmm. always with the sci-fi adaptation.
0: The adaptation of um, Lord of the Rings was exciting yes. and amazing. But I was really excited amazing, but they are two very different things.
5: Yes. Yeah.
3: The but then,
0: different
3: then look at the Hobbit adaptations, which travel in the opposite direction. <laughs> You know, what What adaptations, I hear you say. I don't believe they ever made any. But I, I recently read The Hobbit to uh, to my older daughter. Um, mm-hmm. And she's eight now. And eight is the age of reading The Hobbit, as everyone knows. And um, I think it's the, the first book we, we got to the end of where she didn't like the ending. Because, spoiler alert, Thorin dies. And um, being eight, she had not read any books where the main character dies at the end. And it was... She was quite upset by it, like coming to be the following day and just going like, no, no, that wasn't. I like the book, but no, I
6: don't don't want that.
3: Yeah. So apparently we've got to edit the Hobbit book now and change the ending so Thorin gets to live under the mountain forever. Uh, But I did think it would be quite cool to show her the film, but she's too young to watch the films of Lord of the Rings. We'll have to wait for her to be bigger. And trying to show the film of the Hobbit, why bother? It's just, it's three films long. There's a load of crap in there that never really happens. There's a lot of incredibly half-assed CGI. Oh, never mind. So anyway, sorry, that's a complete deviation about um, nothing <laughs> to do with editing in particular, Have but... you
0: guys ever read um, World War Z? Sorry, Sagan? World War Z, have you guys ever read World War Oh Z? no, I
3: haven't. I've heard the book's excellent though. Oh,
0: the, the, book, the book is actually one of my favorite books. The book is fantastic. And there's no reason to watch the movie. Oh, okay. You're If you're going, you know, you go from the book to the movie. There, I, I
3: think I've watched the film. It's Brad Pitt in it?
0: Yeah, Brad Pitt. Well, you can enjoy it for what it is. Like, oh, okay. It's a, movie. it's a zombie action movie. But whatever editing process or whatever, you know, pulling out parts of the story, it yeah. just does not translate. There, there's no simil- similarity between the two of them except for the title. Yeah. And there's zombies.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, who doesn't love zombies? Not me. Um, to, to bring it sort of vaguely back to the original question of like, has anything ever been improved by not being edited or unimproved by editing? Mm-hmm. And and sort of to, to almost r- repeat the point before about like, how many people on the on the distribution? I'm going to keep doing that. How many people on the distribution enjoyed your work and how much did they enjoy it? I suspect there are books which a narrow slice of people would have enjoyed more before they were edited. Like before, for example, all the law was cut out for reasons of pacing and before, you know, and this is the sort of, it's the director's cut of the Lord of the Rings thing. Like we had to cut that for pace. We had to cut that because we didn't have another 200 pages to spare to talk about the history of the elves or whatever they you know, we had to cut this. We had to cut that, that sort of stuff. There would be a subsection of readers who would have got such a kick out of it. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm obviously thinking about my own work here and all the stuff that we've been where people are gonna come up to me and be like, oh, I would have really liked to know more about that. Well, in the draft, it was there and now it's not. The book is better I'm for just, it.
2: Here's the number of my editor if you would like
3: yeah.
2: to. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I went into great detail about that, but it's gone now, so let's not live in the past. Let's just move on and not dwell, let's not dwell.
4: So that's for Have your you Patreon guys- page,
5: Dave. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Have you guys
1: ever uh, read or watched The Magicians? Yes. The, I love that ad- adaptation because it's almost like the author's preferred edition. Because the whole point of The Magicians is like the main character is a jerk. Like he's a massive jerk. Like, that's terrible. Com- ter- the worst person, one of the worst people you read about. But yes. it's fascinating. And in the TV show, they made him really sympathetic. He made him
0: in the TV. Yeah. He's so weak.
1: They made him weak, but he's also more likable, which blows my mind. And so people will go from the TV show to the book, and then they'll be like, no, the main character's a jerk. I hate it. The show's better. And it's one of the first times I've ever seen, like, they almost, like, tweak the author, what the author did in the books to make it more, like, palpable for a mainstream audience. And it's one of the most fascinating things I've seen. I love reading like the reviews of like the magicians because it's half of them are just like, this TV show is better. Why did they, they never, the book shouldn't exist. And the other half being like,
6: the the TV show destroyed
1: the point of the books. Like what are you guys seeing? And it's wonderful. It's like this like actual war where people are like debating, which is better, but like, they're both like, they both are right for like completely different reasons i love it it's it's my favorite thing well, like-
3: altered carbons kind of similar i mean if yeah. you read the original altered carbon book and and its sequels kovach in it is an absolute monster he is a remorseless psychopath who is vindictive and utterly murderous and when they did the tv show adaptation they tried <laughs> they tried to stick to it, but you just can't. You cannot put someone without having the internal monologue of, you know, here's why I'm killing all of these people who appear to have done nothing other than like wear the wrong shoes today. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so in the they had to make him sympathetic, and in the, in the end, I feel like it rather fizzled out when they they gave it a sort of a love story and all the rest of it, okay, which hold, was
0: killed it for me. Like, and that's part of the reason
3: probably why it got canceled. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, it, like there's, there's a lot to love about the books. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're dearly beloved by a number of great friends of mine. Hi, guys. Um, all men. Uh, but,
6: uh, it's okay. yeah,
3: you know, what? for them watching the TV shows, like, why is he nice? Why is he being friendly to people? It doesn't make sense. That's not Kovac. So it's it's interesting. Again, it's about trying to sort of make it more palatable to people who just want to watch a television program about a sympathetic character and being, like, presumably baffled when that character just starts ripping the heads off passers-by or whatever else. No, no, in the book it makes sense. It's completely in, in keeping with his character. Right? But, yeah. It
2: always intrigues me, too, because I... have kind of like this two halves of my life where i have friends who've got nothing to do with the publishing industry at all and then i've got all these friends who who do Mm -hmm. and when i'm talking on social media or commenting about the process that i'm going through when i'm editing these books the people from the outside of the publishing industry are like what do you what do you mean you have to cut out bits (laughs) <laughs> i'm like well i wrote you know 170,000 words and i need to cut out like 20 and they're like you have to do what <laughs> <laughs> but you work
5: really hard on those
2: yeah. words like, this is yeah. how it happens and and then it's like and but these are also the same darling lovely people who are like oh you wrote a book are you going to get it published i'm like that's not how it works I'm sorry. Like maybe I
3: haven't decided yet. Maybe I will. Yeah.
2: Like when Dickens was the only literate person in London. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like, they told you you should, you should get a film adaptation done as well.
2: Oh, yeah. When it's coming out in a movie, I'm like, yeah. Let me I, don't, just... I don't like reading books. I
3: much prefer. Why don't you get a TV show done? I hear Amazon are throwing money around. Yeah. Obviously.
2: Yeah. Like there is certainly out, I think we get a bit blind. To the fact that we understand all this process behind the scenes of have, how our books go from you know crayon to ah uh, yeah um, but the the people that read them at the end of the day they don't yeah. they don't see all this they they don't know um, I mean they see a, they see a spelling mistake and they're like what is this <laughs> because there's, <laughs> there's clearly a spelling fairy
6: yeah you
2: know that that will stop all 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 spelling mistakes ever. From getting through and that just doesn't happen but yeah no people outside the industry i really don't think understand just how many phases certainly trad pub books go through and some indie books depending on where you're at with your career and and your finances certainly Mm -hmm. um that, that there is multiple phases and you can have an entire book scrapped you can have half your book scrapped and it's not up to you Like that decision is made for you and you have to play the game or the book doesn't hit the shelf. And, and that understanding that, that there is a process behind the scenes is one that, that I don't think is really widely understood outside of our little bubble.
1: Well, I think it's almost because like, I remember before I got into like publishing, I knew nothing, but like, (laughs) even when I was trying to get into publishing, I still couldn't find out things where (laughs) it's a lot of just information is out there, but like, there's always people saying something different. Like, like let's look at this panel. I've probably contracted myself like 13 times, but yeah. say like, oh, do this. Well, you could do that too. Yeah. And it's, it really, you don't get definite answers and learn how different and complex and like weird publishing is until like you kind of have people sit you down and be like, all right, this is kind of how it goes. And that, like, you have to meet people in the industry who have gone through it and like will tell you horror stories over like a beer and be like, uh, let me tell you why this. Like, Are you thing. sure you want this?
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, it's almost always like a horror story. Well, like, they'll, they'll gather you around, it'll be dark, and they'll see whispered voices being like, <laughs> Well, this is the story of how my debut went. And like, I'm like, I, How do I do this? And now I get to tell stories to other people and be like, I released my debut during a pandemic. You want to hear like true horror? Like, like, yeah. let's have the round children. Like
4: that's why no one told you, Nick, right? Because if we tell anyone now, it would just be stop, stop, just yeah. don't. Yeah, like, that's all we would tell. <laughs> just it's don't. Ridiculous. It would be much easier if you just didn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's really it kind of feels like that sometimes. Where it's like, well, do you want to lose sleep at night, like worrying about edits and how your book's gonna sell and how you're gonna get it out there, or do you just want to kind of like sleep and read comfortably, like not worry about things? Like it yeah, really yeah. is that kind of just like like, oh, let me just kind of like lose my mind a little bit whenever I write a book. Uh. Yeah, it's
3: sort of an interesting way of inventing a whole new class of problems for yourself. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think
4: most of us have like puzzling brains, right? I know myself. I'm like, I, I need I need something to puzzle over. If it wasn't writing, yeah. it would be something else that would probably cost a lot more money. <laughs> like, yeah. This, yeah. Uh, my, I need something to keep my mind busy, and, and writing does that quite well. <laughs> At the most you know, for two hours in the morning.
6: Yeah.
0: Well, we have two. I have two questions here that I think are good, and I think that we can wrap it up. Uh, the first question is from Paul Andrew Wanless. Do your editors stay the same for each book? Uh,
1: on a traditional side, that's
0: almost... Traditional and indie.
1: Yeah. On a traditional side, like, you hope they do. Okay. Um, and that's kind of, you don't have a say in it. Like, I, when you essentially when your books get, like, sold to an editor, that editor is, like, attached to the book. And obviously sometimes editors, the publishing houses, like sometimes they'll just like, be like, I'm out of publishing, goodbye. And sometimes they'll just be like, I'm moving to a different house, goodbye. And sometimes they just will like be let go and that's completely out of your control. And then you'll maybe get assigned to a different editor. But your goal, if you sold whatever your contract is, that is likely to that editor. As long as something like doesn't go wrong. Right, almost. okay. I've so had two happening? editors. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, but
3: they're both amazing. So it's good.
2: Okay. From the indie side, you definitely would prefer to keep the same editor from book to book because by bringing in a new editor for certainly for a series, um, they then have to go back and read book one and you will invariably end up paying for that time. Um, I was lucky that my sometimes it's things like that the person you had for your first book just isn't available. I like gets in the way, health problems, kids, family, they've, they're have they booked out. When you need them, they're booked out. You may not know until a few weeks in advance that you're ready to go for edits. So it, it can be just a simple thing about scheduling. Okay. Um, but, you know, I was lucky that I found an editor who I was really happy with, with um, book two, that it wasn't a huge learning curve to to work with someone new. Um, I've had a different proofreader for every book, um, and that comes down to scheduling. Has come down to scheduling. Um, has come down to pricing, what I can afford at the time. Um, so it's ideally, yes, you you would like to have the same editor because it just makes life easier. But sometimes it's not possible with indie. Sometimes you just you have to be flexible and you have to find someone else.
4: Okay, Shelly, say. Yeah, pretty much same. I am I do small uh, tra- traditional publishing, so I've got a couple of different publishing houses I'm working with, but so far I've been lucky that it's the same editors at each house. So. Okay.
0: Um, last question. Uh, did you ever receive a piece of advice that made you, your revision easier and more enjoyable?
3: Hmm. Well, I, I'm going to contradict alicia and obviously take my life in my hands to do so and <laughs> i'm i know that you you're quite down on on receiving praise from editors earlier god this is going to make me sound like a dilettante one yeah. thing i've noticed in, in
2: is good, but not <laughs> if it's the only thing you get
3: oh <laughs> ah, yeah well i mean obviously when, when you've written a perfect book like me you expect to receive nothing but praise so obviously getting uh. critical feedback can be quite a surprise um so what I found is in, in the in the various edit letters and, and feedbacks and things I've had over, over the time, um, it's the, the classic, like, the shit sandwich that we're familiar with, where you start with, here's a good thing, mm-hmm. and then you get to the, the meat, the shitty meat, which is, here's all the terrible stuff that you have to fix, you moron. And then the nice little bit at the end of like, yeah. hey, but don't forget the book's really good. And um,
6: <laughs> that... So that really
3: helps. Help. Yeah. That it genuinely helps because your mood goes, ah, ah, ah. And and it just, you know, that's it. I know it's it's a classic it's a classic technique for giving people negative feedback by wrapping it in meaningless phrase. But it does, you know, it makes that sandwich, that particular sandwich, a little easier to swallow. Um, but beyond that, the one useful feed piece of editing feedback I had was when when the editor uh, went you know, in a giant comment in the the margin, like this entire chapter brackets and the six preceding it really aren't working for me. I don't know if we need this entire section. How about if instead blah, 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 blah. And like just a sort of a a 12 word sentence describing what could happen. And it was just like the, the bolt of like, yes, why not that instead? Oh, I can visualize that immediately. Yeah been that whatever it was 23,000 word section we don't need it anymore so having a meaningful suggestion that you can immediately visualize and and act on again is you know I don't know if that's a suggestion in terms of like is that a technique you can apply or like have someone fix your book for you that is the the good thing yeah so do that that that's my advice
2: yeah. that's definitely you might here. Like the praise is good to know what I'm doing well at because yeah. then I can try and leverage those things a little bit more. Um, and I can try and emphasize, emphasize those things. But knowing that I overuse certain words is, it's something is absolutely invaluable. Oh,
3: it's, it's eyebrows for me. It's just that, you know, all ca- all the characters are doing stuff with their eyebrows all the time.
2: Yeah. So. Because I have an anxiety disorder, I feel anxiety in a very particular way, in a very physical way. So it mm. Apparently, all of my characters also feel it in that exact way.
3: What are the chances?
2: They feel like growing up all the, the time. time. So, shockingly, <laughs>
0: fire, my characters look, just want to vomit all the time. Yeah. So, I yeah. That.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, and now I just put that in as like a placeholder and then I come back and fix it up and turn yeah. it Yeah. <laughs> that's
6: what good, good editing
2: Vomit. Exactly yes. That. yes, exactly. So, but, but knowing that, and learn from my editor and from her saying highlight, 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 and I'm like, oh, actually, no, I can see now where I'm where I'm getting that wrong. I can learn from that and not do it again. So that's that's that helpful thing. Um, but yeah, the the praise is nice. Um, watching people's reactions with many many f words in the comments that's so much fun. <laughs>
1: that's the
0: funnest bit yeah I was, it. yeah, was going to say it's so useful so many uses
1: <laughs> I, I was going to say what pretty much Lisa said like I really like managers put their re- genuine reactions in it Like, <laughs> so you know, sometimes like I remember I got one of my last book where, where she had written out oh I was going to actually stop reading here but your clip but this actually got me so I'm going to keep reading the next chapter I'm like alright I know I got them on that clip yeah. and I was happy and like even the general reactions where it's like Nick, you're a moron. Fix this. And like I'm like, all right, I really need to fix that. Like, it's it sounds like kind of me and like cool, but like it really is like the genuine reactions kind of stick out to me during edits more, based on something like, like oh this this doesn't make sense. I'm like all right, I'm gonna fix it. When you kind of like break the mold or like okay, this is a causing an emotional reaction. Other what did I do here that is either good or bad? Yes.
0: Okay. All right. Well, um, thank you, authors, for spending some time with us. And thank you oh, to the,
5: thank the, you, Beth. the
0: amazing amount of comments that we have got streaming here.
3: Thank you, commenters. <laughs> Extra from Cobra Kai, how bloody dare you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd um, at least get, a, like, a second name.
0: <laughs> um, just to just to end up, why don't you guys, like, talk about what you're working on for 2021?
2: Oh, no. Can I show the books again? Yes, yeah, show your books. I mean this one's just a this one's a proof copy. It's Graham's copy. Um uh, that's why it's got that lovely little band across the cover it. So these guys have just come out in audio. I
0: actually have those.
2: And so I will be working on the second half of book three this year, um, in amongst homeschooling and you know, trying not to catch anything nasty. Um so yeah, and that's that's where I'm going with that one. And then the audiobook will be out for book three sometime after that. Cool. So check it out. And we're running uh, as a part of the giveaways through the con. Um, there's uh, two sets of the audiobook codes up for grabs. So go and check out the um, the giveaways on the website.
0: Uh, Nick, what about you?
1: Um, I got my sequel to my debut, and I got. Two copies right here this is what my debut looks like yes. dave i actually think we have the same cover artist for the uk now Hello that I... richard anderson yep yeah, i got him too nice. yes
3: <laughs> yeah he only did book one for me he wasn't available for book two probably because he was doing yours so i, I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have nice. a, a new cover artist for book two but the, cool. the art the art is awesome for that though so
1: yeah it'll be grand Perfect. Uh, but yep, so my, my sequel comes out in March, and I don't have physical copies of them because they let's just say, fun reasons that uh, that none of us are also dealing with. So it comes out in March, and it's wonderful. I'm really proud of that book. So. Okay.
0: David what about you?
3: Yes, so uh, I haven't got any books. <laughs> we we took the bookshelves away Um, so my debut came out the arse end of 2019 which apparently is over a year ago now Uh, that's the Black Hawks book one of the Articles of Faith series book two is called The Righteous and that will be coming out in June this year Uh, we might have a final proper cover reveal coming up quite soon we have a sort of draft cover already but yeah, the big one is going to be available soon and I haven't got any pictures of anything So take my word for it. The books are great. Buy my books.
4: (laughs) Sally, what about you? I'm working on the sequel to my debut. Where is it here? Under the Lesser Moon. So the sequel to that will be coming out hopefully the end of this year with Mythos and Ink Publishing. And I also have a horror coming out with Silver Shamrock Publishing. And that one's kind of a, uh, it's a kid who discovers a door to multiple, it's kind of a portal fantasy, but horror. Multiple mirror dimensions in his world. Some of them are in the past, some of them in the future. And in all of them, uh, they've been recently raised by something that only comes out at night. Oh, that sounds fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you everybody for coming and
5: that's that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Bye, everybody.
5: Bye everyone.